Yeah, good to be back with you, Tim. All right, let's talk about this and break this down for me. Okay, let, let's start with this. And the way public service commissioners are elected in Georgia, it's always been a little odd to me to, to, to try to articulate why this may be the case. Historically, it has been the case since the early part of the 20th century. You represent a geographic district, you and the other members of the Public Service Commission. However, you are elected essentially at large, elected statewide. You campaign statewide to represent a district on the Public Service Commission. Uh, now multiple courts, up to and including the U.S. Supreme Court, saying, no, this method of choosing public service commissioners discriminates against minority voters. Mm -hmm. and, and the upshot, and we'll talk about this, the upshot is that the elections are on hold now, two PSC seats, uh, the election's on hold. But let's talk about why this system was developed in the first place. Yeah, represent's not the right word because we really don't represent a district. We just live in a district. And are required to. And are required to. So this was not created back in the 20s. This was created in 1998. And uh, uh, Drew Kahn and, uh, and Mark Nisi's uh, story in the AJC this week brought this out, the fact that in 1998, a democratically controlled Georgia House, a democratically controlled Georgia Senate, and a democratically controlled governor's office created this system, not as anything racist, I think, but just to protect South Georgia. Uh, back then, I don't know if folks remember if they were involved in Georgia politics, but there was this two Georgia idea. Mm -hmm. There was there was Atlanta and there was everything else. And at the time in 1992, 94, the Public Service Commission began to be take a, taken over by Metro Atlanta, God forbid, Republicans. Mm -hmm. And in 1998, it took them that long to change the system in order to guarantee that there would be a South Georgia representative. Read about this in the AJC this week. Now, what the judge said, the first federal judge, Tim, was that it doesn't really matter what the intent was. What the result is. It, it matters what the result is. And, and, I mean, we've seen this happen in certain counties where you had districts in counties, but then all of them were at large uh, in elections. And even Judge Tim Batten down in, I think it was Fayetteville, uh, in Fayette County said, look, this this discriminates against African-Americans. Whether or not that was the intent. Yeah, exactly. Now, a lot of people have spun it as being like some kind of Republican thing that was created to, you know, to, to hurt African-Americans. And that couldn't be further from the truth. All right. So. As it sits this morning, and again, it's just bouncing back and forth between court rulings, you, you cited the initial ruling from a district court. The appeals court said, no, let's have the election. But then comes the Supreme Court, no, we're not going to have the election. So as we sit here this morning, and we're nine and a half weeks out, what's the status here? What happens? Let's, let's do it this way. What happens if there is no election? Well, there, is, there can't be an election now because the ballots have already gone to print, and my name's not on it. Uh, so that is for sure. I will not be on this ballot, nor will my colleague Fitz Johnson. So uh, the, essentially, the 11th Circuit has this again in their, you know, in their purview. Clarence Thomas, who's over the 11th Circuit in an emergency situation, said, uh, look, you guys, you, 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 you guys need to look at this further in, in a bigger way than just that it interferes with, you know, the election. You've got to look at the merits of this. And so the 11th Circuit in January, I understand, will take this up in full and determine the merits of this case. Does it really discriminate against African-Americans? 
And does the legislature need to go back in and fix it? Okay, so what happens to the two seats on the Public Service Commission after the first of the year? The PSC is going to meet and they're going to, I don't know, vote on a Georgia power rate increase. Are you going to be there to cast a ballot? Well, I mean, my term officially ends at the end of the year. The federal judge said we're in a, quote, holdover position. Uh, But if that's the case, I think I'm going to have to be resworn in in January. Yeah, I don't know. What is a holdover position? I don't know. I've never even heard (laughs) of a holdover position. But in it, it was like a 67-page order, this first federal judge, and he made it clear that the two commissioners will continue to serve. And so I I think I'm about to become the (laughs) longest-serving publicly elected person ever in the history of Georgia because I will be in my seventh year. Wow, Tim Eccles, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commissioner. You mentioned uh, that, that you and Fitz Johnson, the other. Now, there was before any of this mm-hmm. uh, was the matter that I gather has been resolved. The the question of residency as relates to your Democrat opponent, Ms. Durand, Patty Durand. Yeah, P- Patty, I had her on my radio show, uh, episode two. She's uh, she uh, ran the Sierra Club for a while, Smart Grid Consumer Alliance. Got some great studies. Uh, you know, I, I think from an uh, from from a perspective of someone that understands the energy world, she was, uh, I think, a great opponent uh, for that. There was the residency question and all all that surrounded that. But I think that's going to be moot now because by the time we actually have the election next summer or next fall, whenever. Um, you know, there's there's not going to be an issue with residency. Now, if the legislature goes back in and has to change the law, create territorial voting, I really think we'll probably have have to do the primaries all over again. And so I would be running just in, quote, District 2. And at that point, I would be representing just District 2. Which and, geographically is what? Yeah, that's Athens, Augusta, all the way down to Savannah. Uh, so pretty much this eastern swath of Georgia, uh, and frankly, it probably makes my life a lot easier. I don't have to travel you know, all over uh, and, and certainly not into Metro anymore. It is my great honor to officially announce that Hyundai Motor Group will build their first dedicated electric vehicle manufacturing plant right here in this good soil in Bryan County. Yeah, Governor, a few weeks ago, of course, Morgan and Walton counties with the Rivian plant going to do the same thing, manufacture electric vehicles there. Uh, talking about this with Georgia Public Service Commissioner Tim Eccles, uh, a, a big proponent of alternative fuel vehicles. Your alternative fuel vehicle uh, travel clean, show, road clean, show clean coming up. energy road show, yeah. yeah. When is that? Yeah, September 13th in Valdosta, September 14th in savannah and my what six years or eight years what a difference it makes remember when nobody really liked electric cars <laughs> yeah well Except a lot me. of people still don't and i want to get into this because uh-huh. there we're, we're supposed to fall in love with it it's the future and the future is uh-huh. now well wait a minute uh, there there are issues and we have to acknowledge them uh, first of all is the lack of baseline energy if everybody bought an electric car today we wouldn't be able to run the grid we, we would collapse they're seeing that in california right now uh with the approaching heat wave there are the issues with extracting the minerals that go into the batteries all mm-hmm. kind of issues the fact that the batteries aren't recycled about five ten percent of those batteries recycled compared to 90 plus percent of conventional batteries that are recycled Mm -hmm. there's no free lunch on this we've got to stop acting like there is yeah but with ford and gm and all these oem manufacturers going you know whole hog into this they're going to stand all this up they're spending too much money and so 
they're going to recycle their own batteries. They're going to wind up, I think, building their own charger networks, just like Tesla has. Tesla is the gold standard for this. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, have, have, have chosen to go a different way, and it's been, I think, a miserable failure from a charging perspective. It's the Wild West out there. A dollar at this charger, $15 at this one. Half of them don't work. Uh, you just can't, you can't run an EV network and change people's minds about the way they're getting fuel with, with that kind of a crummy network. I can fuel up my car. It's an SUV. It's good gas mileage. I get about 30 miles to the gallon out of the highway, sometimes more. I can fuel that thing up in about three minutes. Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take me to charge up my electric car? 30 or more? Yeah, probably 20. Probably right. 20 minutes at a fast charger. Uh, so... You know, it does change the way that you kind of travel and plan. I mean, you, you see these Tesla drivers, they're backed into the charger, they're sitting there on their fo- phone, or maybe they're at an adjacent coffee shop or eating a sandwich somewhere. You definitely, if you're traveling, not so much like coming to work today, you, you wouldn't charge here. You would just charge at home. You would mm-hmm. never charge here or in Athens. You only are going to use these public chargers if you're taking a trip. Uh, and then if you have a gas car... You're probably going to take your gas car on the trip. You're probably not going to take your electric car. Uh, what else is out there? Now, you drive all kinds of things. I don't know. You're, you're running your car on recycled beer or whatever you can find. Now, you can run most anything through an engine. The question is how efficiently and how effectively. What else is out there right yeah, now? Yeah, so I've got a CNG truck, compressed natural gas. That's methane, the stuff that comes into your house. And, uh, you know, that stuff's, you know, fairly uh, available. I mean, I go to DeKalb County to get it or Covington if I'm traveling. It's a bi-fuel car, kind of like a hybrid. A hybrid runs on electricity sometimes, and sometimes it runs on gas. That's not bad, Tim. That's really, I, I think, a great kind of stopgap with all of this. And a lot of people, especially in Athens, they have experienced hybrids. Oh, my wife has one, and it's wonderful. It, it's, mm-hmm. uh, she'll, she'll fill, I'm filling mine up every week. She'll fill hers up every six weeks. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that that helps us use less fuel. It, it saves you money, mm-hmm. uh, and especially if you're getting a Toyota from Hayward Allen or whatever. Those things are those things are, are fantastic when it comes to servicing Which is and a free plug here, precisely what she did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we've got uh, we've got groom transportation running from Athens to the mm-hmm. Atlanta airport, running on propane. Chris Groom told me that propane was saving him a million dollars a year. Uh, you know, with all of his different routes from Columbus to the airport, from Chattanooga to the airport, Augusta to the airport. He's got these things. These vans run hourly. They are constantly on the road. And when you're using high volume like that, a, a UPS, an Amazon delivery van, you know, a groom transportation, alternative fuel really makes sense. Now, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. You sent me kind of a cryptic note a couple of hours ago. Georgia trying to be the hydrogen hub. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd, I'd unpack that. What are we talking about? Yeah, it, it, it's the next shiny object, and I'm 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 concerned that we you know that we are moving too fast to you know the next shiny object. But hydrogen is getting a lot of love in both the bipartisan infrastructure act that President Biden did at the beginning of the administration, and now this quote inflation reduction act. There are a lot of incentives for hydrogen. So think about hydrogen just as another gas like propane or like natural gas, it can be injected into the pipeline at 5%, 10%. So it's kind of a blended type fuel. Or 
Toyota in Japan has hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. You can pull into, quote, a hydrogen mm-hmm. pump and fill up your hydrogen my, car. My last memory of, of trying to do anything using hydrogen blew up over New Jersey back in the 1930s. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume yeah. we've, we've made some progress uh, yeah. since the Hindenburg. Yeah, it is more volatile. Yeah. It's definitely more volatile. But I do think it's coming because follow the money. The money's coming down for this, and Georgia wants to be the hydrogen hub. Tech is working on this, UPS, a whole bunch of people have signed What would have on, to happen to become Senator, the quote-unquote hydrogen hub? What, I think what, what we got you got to have off-takers for the fuel. you got to have somebody that says, I'll buy this stuff, right? So UPS has to say, we'll run it in our trucks. you got to these, – these fueling stations for hydrogen, they're about $8 million a piece. They're very – expensive so you got to have the utilities involved with building this and that's where the psc kind of comes into this so i think we're a long way from from this but i i I do think it's coming all right tim eccles georgia public service commission you mentioned also and you do this i I think annually maybe you go to dragon con most every year that there is a dragon con and you work that into the energy conversation connect those dots yeah so this is my seventh year it's really because of my daughter my my seventh child who loves dressing up in Narnia costumes. So uh, I go and I put together an op-ed, and this year we're going to be interviewing people who have owned energy cost, energy-related costumes. We're going to interview them for our radio show, Energy Matters. Mm-hmm. So tune in Saturday mornings at, at 8, and you'll be able to hear about some cool energy characters. And Tim, there's a it is unbelievable, that Dragon Con. I mean, not only is UGA playing Oregon, tomorrow Mm -hmm. at 3 30 but this dragon con takes over the marriott the hilton the hyatt peachtree plaza and the sheraton and the apparel mart all five of those properties are absolutely wall-to-wall with all of these characters it is it is a sight to see if you've never been you know the the figures i'm hearing something like sixty thousand folks uh will be taking part in the dragon kind of energy costumes energy characters and again i don't that's not my thing so i don't know what what would that even yeah, so like there was a character called captain adam okay. uh who had this ability to absorb and uh, and release energy. Well, that sounds a lot like the battery to me. I could use a couple of Captain <laughs> Adams uh, on the grid here. Uh, another one called Lucas uh, Bennett, who had a similar quality. Thor, with his ability with with lightning. I mean, there's there's a whole there's there's a, there's about twenty different character costumes that you'll see down there related to energy. All right, speaking of atoms, uh, nuclear energy. How are we doing on Vogel? 100% done on Unit 3, about to fuel load in October, ribbon cutting in February. And my prediction, Air Force One or Air Force Two will land in Augusta, Augusta and cut the ribbon on that plant. Wow. Okay, so finally, after all these years, all these delays, all these budget overruns and all the rest of it. Now, we've talked about this at length over the years, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and it's been my position, and I don't want to speak for you, but mine is... 50 years from now, when that thing's still cranking out reliable energy, it's not going to matter to the folks then that we had the delays and the overruns now. Yeah, because Unit 1 and 2 had overruns and delays in 87 and 89, and now it's the very cheapest energy in the fleet. So I think you're right. I think down the road we'll be glad that we have it, especially, Tim, if there is some future administration with a carbon tax. And they impose Mm. a tax on all of our natural gas plants and our remaining coal plants, some of which are going to run 
for quite a while. What in the world is happening in Europe now? I mean, I, I was reading the other day, Germany, uh, the typically the economic engine of, of Europe, uh, all kind of energy issues. There. They're, they're clear-cutting forests just to get wood to burn now, uh, some of the decisions they have made, and yet they still say they're not going to rethink nuclear energy, which they're in the process of phasing out. Yeah, I, you know, the Germans are dead set against nuclear energy. They had, they had, you know, 15 nuclear power plants or more, uh, but they, this is the year that they phased out the final ones, and with the Ryan, Ryan River being low, they can't get the coal barges to their coal plants. And so they're, they're having outages based on river levels, of all things. So the Germans, you know, despite all the money that they've spent, uh, they've got issues with gas, which is four times the price. Uh, they can't get their power plants going. It's just an incredible well, I, thing. You, you've possibly heard this old joke. Uh, what did socialists use before candles were invented? I don't know. Uh, electricity. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're taking us backwards, these people. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I've got to give the Germans credit for ingenuity, and they have constantly engineered themselves out of a pickle, and they've got, if the wind's blowing and the sun's shining in Germany, they can power all of Western Europe. But if it's not... Mm. They can't. And then Western Europe, beyond German borders, has, has a problem. And, and I just look at this, and I look at California, and this is a preview of coming attractions or so, I would fear. Well, President Biden, to his credit, has given a lot of incentives to keep existing nuclear plants open. And so California is backtracking now, saying that that Diablo Canyon plant that they have right there on the 5 going from L.A. to San Diego, that they're probably going to keep that open now, mainly because of the money— that Biden has put in to the infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act, and it, it, it's really helping to keep some nuclear alive. I have to give him give him credit for that. Again, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commissioner, uh, District Two on the PSC, mm-hmm. and and your pal Fitz Johnson, District Three. And those elections in flux. You're saying definitively, you ain't going to be on the ballot in November. No, for sure, we will not. The ballots have been printed. Uh, folks are signing up for absentee. We will definitely not be on the ballot. We'll see how this shakes out next year. Tim Eccles, Energy Matters, 8 o'clock Saturday mornings on WGAU. Thanks for dropping in this morning. Thanks so much.